As we approach the season of Thanksgiving, our text today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, beginning at chapter 17, verse 11. Hear the word of the Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. We too have come into this place of worship, O oh God, to cast ourselves at the feet of Jesus, to ask for mercy, and to give thanks. Receive this sacrifice of worship, we pray. Amen. Our text begins by telling us that Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where important, holy, sometimes wonderful things happen. The people who head to Jerusalem are always on a mission. And while Jesus is on his mission, heading towards Jerusalem, he's interrupted by 10 lepers who call out for mercy. We don't know a thing about these lepers. We don't know how many of them were men and how many were women. We don't know their ages. We don't know what they used to do for a living. Were some of them poor? Did some of them used to be wealthy? We don't even know their names. They will forever be known simply as the 10 lepers. It's as if the disease has eaten away all of the rest of their identity. Now, if we were going to try to find ourselves in this text, it would be easy to try to identify with Jesus and to say the moral to the text is sometimes along the way in a mission, you get interrupted and you should offer mercy. But let's not go with the easy homily today. Let's instead take our place in this group of 10 lepers these whom we don't know so much about who could be anybody one of us. What we do know is that they're together as a group. It's the last community left to them as lepers. And maybe like them, you too have had something eating away at your soul for some time. Maybe it's a discouragement 
a great disappointment or a hurt from the past or a grief that won't let go of you. At times you even feel the anger seethe up within you and it makes you lonely, set apart from others. Or maybe it's not something in the past, maybe your concern is the future. Not just your future, but the future of our society, and you are finding it difficult to still have reasons for hope. It doesn't look like we're making much progress. Or maybe it's something in your family. Maybe you have a child who's making mistakes, and you think about it all the time. All the time. Or maybe the struggle is spiritual. Faith has never been easy for you. It's always been a struggle. And now you find yourself in a seminary where everybody around you talks about faith as if it's easy. And you, you feel left out because your soul doesn't find faith easy. Or maybe you're just out. You're out of strategic plans. You're out of hope that a relationship is gonna save you and you're out of theology. But still, you've made it into worship today. And you dress up pretty well, we would never know you've got this problem. It's covered up well. But something in your soul finds that your cohort is this group of lepers. And you just want to cry out for mercy. That's all you've got. It's interesting in the text, they don't actually ask for healing. I think they're too far gone for that. They don't even know what salvation would look like at this point. They just ask for mercy. This is one of the primary postures of worship. We come together and we cry out to Jesus for mercy. Then the text tells us that Jesus saw them. I love that. He saw them. He did not keep his focus straight on his mission as we have been taught to do when people cry out to us on the street, just keep moving. No, he stopped. He saw them. Perhaps he looked deep into their souls, as is his nature. But then notice what he does. He doesn't analyze their situation. He doesn't give them comfort. He doesn't even heal them yet. What he says is, go show yourselves to the priest. Now the only reason they would do that is so that the priest could declare them whole and clean, and they could then be restored to their communities. But they're not healed yet. So they are called to walk by faith towards a vision of healing. It's as if Jesus is saying, don't get stuck here. It's time to get back on the move, to go on your way. Go back towards the healing that at this point you can only envision. Sometimes in the healing narratives, most of the times in the healing narratives, people are healed instantly by Jesus. But sometimes, sometimes um, it takes a process. Remember the time Jesus had to make a second touch over a man's eyes before he could see fully? Well, here again, we find this process notion of healing, that you get on your way, you start moving towards the vision of healing, and it comes. It comes, but not until you start moving towards it. This also is what we do in worship. 
We come to have our visions renewed of what our lives should look like, of what society should look like. We're reminded of God's commitment to justice in this world, reminded of, his promise, of God's promise of a future filled with hope. And then we leave worship resolved to get back to work ourselves, resolved to continue step by step, day by day, making our way towards this vision, not of how it is, but of how it shall be. And as they went, they were healed. Then one of them turned around and began to praise God with a loud voice. And he came and threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. This is another posture of worship. Not only do we come into the house of the worship to ask for the mercy of God, but we return, having received some glimpse of the mercy along the way in our journey, we return to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus in gratitude. If you're more accustomed to the posture of asking for mercy than you are of the one of expressing gratitude, you may want to ask yourself if you're paying close enough attention to your life. There may be more reasons for gratitude if you would only receive them. Now we're told that this man was a Samaritan. Now we get his identity. No longer is he known as a leper. Now his true identity, the place where he belongs, is revealed. That's part of what gratitude does. It allows you to see more clearly who you are, where your place is, what your mission is, whose you are. He's a Samaritan. That's right. He has an identity. But, as you all know, Samaritans were outsiders to the community of Jewish faith, but not to the community that Jesus is creating. The irony is, is that the only insiders in Jesus' community are those who are thankful for the mercy they have received, regardless of, of your background, regardless of what people would place you in this world. Jesus' community worldwide is made up of those who are grateful for the mercy. Now notice the other nine still get the healing. They still get the mercy. A lack of gratitude does not prevent you from receiving Jesus' mercy. It prevents you from receiving Jesus. And again, in his community, that's what we're fundamentally after. This story is not a formula for how to get healing. It's, it's a description of the postures of worship. And I love the rhythm of it. We come in to ask for mercy. We go out with our visions renewed and reminded of how life shall be. We work for that. We strive for approximations of it. We return to worship and gratitude for what Jesus is clearly doing in our lives and in those around us. You know, all 10 of these lepers eventually died of something. But the man who found himself at the feet of Jesus, I believe stood up to a whole new life that he would never lose. A life of paying attention to the mercy he has received and from whom he received it. There was a savior nearby. Who knows what can happen now? 
G.K. Chesterton has written, there is no lack of wonders in the world. What we are lacking is wonderment. Those who are attending to the wonders and are overwhelmed by the wonders and see that anything is in fact possible. Who knows what can happen when we have a savior nearby. And by the way, it has always been that savior's mission to offer you mercy. Those who see that, who are grateful for that, just live differently. They do, in fact, spend their day looking for the small miracles that are embedded along the way. They have no time for regret. They know whenever they are anxious or afraid, they return to the perfect love of God because it's the only thing that can cast out their fear. Without being burdened by regret and guilt and fear, they are now free to give their lives to others because they're not worried about a time when they're not gonna have enough for themselves. There's a savior nearby, how can you possibly not have enough? And when you are free to take on that mission, now we can start talking about identifying with Jesus in the story. Now we too can return on our way, ready to be interrupted by anyone asking for mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.